Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 27 for Monday, August 17th, 2015. Greetings, folks, and Welcome to Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, I'm Paul Kent. It hit me uh, about a week ago that I am actually not playing drums on the theme song here. Uh, I believe that version was recorded by a guy named uh, Steve something or other, who I never met because he was many states away from me when it was recorded. Uh, ah. Yeah, I played the song many, many times live with, with Mark Linsenmeyer, but... Uh, but I don't think I played it that time with Mark Hudson Meyer. And, and all this time I've been hailing you as the next great thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that's the end of that. So <laughs> you still want to do a show or just wrap it up? I'm done. Okay. I'm done. So uh, after we talked to Dave Brunyak last time, I, um, I played a couple of gigs. I saw a couple of gigs and I think you've played a couple of gigs too. I have some, I have some moderately interesting stories or anecdotes to share. You go first then. Okay. Yeah. On, um, I'm trying to think when, when it was, we talked to Dave. Oh, we talked to Dave on, uh, on Friday, the the seventh, I guess was when that was. And so that night I played the final show of dirty rotten scoundrels, which was the play that I was most recently involved in that actually wrapped up this past Saturday with a sub drummer and he took over after uh after that friday night that actually went really well we had a we had a, a good show there there were lots of moments in that where we as the band could sort of let loose and just play and so we had some fun with that on friday but my big problem was that uh on saturday night i had a gig an acoustic gig and as i mentioned in the show and you could probably hear in the show my throat there was something going on with me mm. turns out it was some sort of viral thing uh i got back from our week away, I had seen my son that Saturday at, at camp and, and, and then we got some letters from him when I got back and there was this story about how his throat was bothering him and he couldn't figure out what it was. And I was like, um, yeah, kiddo, I think I gave that to you. So, uh, so that answered my issue, but I didn't know it until, uh, after this gig. So I did, um, you know, I played in a band with some doctors. I'm not sure if I mentioned this and years and years ago and I showed up at a gig with, with laryngitis after having a cold or something, it was totally predictable, but you know, non-optimal. And he said, the guy said to me, one of them said, Oh, Hey man, you, you should have told me I could have brought you a shot of prednisone. And I looked at him like, yeah, but I, then, then I would have to take prednisone and that's really bad for, for all of us because then you have to be around me while I'm on that stuff. And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but it totally helps. We have opera singers that come in from Boston or into Boston to, to sing. And if their throats are bothering them, they come into our practice and we shoot them up with prednisone and then they're, you know, they're good to go. And he said, because the laryngitis is caused by uh, inflamed uh, vocal cords. He's like, and so right. you just kill the inflammation. So with that in mind, um, I've always sort of uh, symptomatically treated it by taking Advil, which uh, is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and it works. If I take four of those things, it really kind of calms things down and, and lets me get through a gig. Lots of water as well, obviously, you know, all the normal hydration and take care of yourself and all that stuff. But uh, Advil worked and I didn't, I warmed up a little bit, but I didn't want to overdo it. So uh, I really didn't know how it was going to work until I hit the stage and 
Actually, it went far better than I expected. Good. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I've taken prednisone. So oh, same. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, but it doesn't affect me that bad. So I have like these kind of chronic respiratory things. And every once in a while, I will get a, like a deep chest tickle that causes a cough that never clears. Ooh. And, um, you know, I have like a daily cocktail of, of Advair and um, Flonase and um, Claritin that I take. Yep. That's kind of my daily cocktail to deal with chronic stuff and, and allergies, allergies and stuff. Yeah, sure. And asthma. Yeah. And, um, but every once in a while I'll get this thing in my chest that is just a constant cough, sometimes worse than others. And prednisone, you know, about a week's flight of that. And I think my doctor does something like, you know, five pills a day for three days, four pills a day for four days, you know, some, some declining, um, um, dose, but that, that's only been the only thing, but I've never like wanted to go lift a car or rip a door off of, you know, or anything like that. It doesn't affect me like, like the incredible Hulk. Yeah. I, I just get very, well, I mean, you know me, I, I run at a pretty fast clip as it is. Uh, caffeine and me really don't get along, especially if you add other humans to the mix. Uh, <laughs> so it just, re- it reduces my tolerance of humans in general. Um, and, and so prednisone similar, similarly, it, you know, it just kind of ha- makes me really edgy. Uh, Lisa yeah. has invited me, uh, to take prednisone as often as any doctor recommends. And while doing so, just, you know, make sure I stay in a hotel and, uh, <laughs> and then everything's going to be all right. <laughs> you seem like such a nice guy. Yeah. Well, it's hard work, but you know, somebody has got to do it. So, that. so the gig, that gig went well. And then, um, and then as far as gigs that I played go, uh, after that, I didn't play for a week. I played this past Saturday with, uh, with fling. It was Russ, uh, who has been mentioned on the show many times. He sent in some questions and he's actually even been here while it's been recorded. Just never on the air. Uh, it was one of his high school reunions. I think it was like his 10th, you know, he can't possibly be old enough to have anything past that. So I think it was his 10th high school reunion or something like that. That's cool. Yeah. Were people blown away. Were people or his classmates blown away? Yeah, and he really—they they were blown away. Fling played really well. We played at uh, the the Rochester Opera House, which is the same place that that Tommy production went on. We have done other shows there, and it—you know—it's always there's house sound there, um, and there's always—it's a big stage, which is—it's far bigger than we're used to playing on. So it, it's never optimal sound wise, uh, but this time was certainly our best gig there. And we really got the sound dialed in. It was the best in-ear mix that I've ever had that I didn't mix myself. Um, which, you know, I mean, it, you're, it, you're never going to get it as good from somebody else as you would if you had like a mixer in your hand. But, yeah. um, but it was fantastic. And we had a blast. And Russ was just totally, you know, gaga about the whole thing because we played really well. And his classmates really liked it. His former That's classmates, cool. I guess. Yeah. So it was fun. Uh, it was good. And I saw a couple of shows in the middle there, but maybe we'll talk about that in a, in a minute. Did you play any gigs this week since we spoke last? Yeah, since we spoke last, I actually had two really, really fun gigs. So one is the hometown festival in the town that I live. And, and you know, when I say the band is from Los Gatos, I'm from Los Gatos and a couple of the other guys have ties. You know, a couple of them grew up here, but, I, you know, I'm full time in Los Gatos. And so the Los Gatos um, Music and Art Festival was in town. I think it was August 9th. And, uh, you know, I'd been on vacation the week before and it'd been a while. So it's been about two and a half weeks since the band played. We crushed it. We really, everybody, you know, 16 years, the band's been together. You still learn interesting things. There was a period of time where if we didn't play together for a while, 
that first gig after that would be really rough. Two or three times in the past six months where we've had a couple of weeks and not playing together, each and every time the band has come out and played spectacularly. I mean, I mean, maybe not spectacularly, no mistakes, but catching each other's mistakes and going over and, you know, it was, it was really very, very cool. So that was, that was a really good gig and, and, uh, and was very rewarding. And then we had a big winery gig. I think I've been telling you on the show that out here there's wineries are like the, the new nightclubs. I mean, most of the wineries run music series. The hours are better. The crowds are way better. The pay is better. The amenities are better. I mean, it's really, it sounds outstanding. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I mean, you know, you're playing a, you're playing a four or 500 people often, you know, in a beautiful setting with really nice people who are there to have a good time, you know, no crazy junks. Right. And yeah, I mean, and, and, and yeah, there's a high, lot of wineries out alcoholics. here. Exactly. They're <laughs> subtle. They're subtle about their problems, but, um, so hey, man, we, that's uh, all it takes, right? That's all we subtlety counts. It yeah. totally does. And, uh, again, you know, we came out, we played a great show. Interestingly, it was one of those nights where we took a little bit, it was a three hour gig and I, and I only gave us one break and I think he even cut that break short. So it was one of those gigs where you poke your head up. Nick usually keeps his cell phone on his uh, keyboard that's next to me. So I can just press the button and see how we are on time. Yep. And, uh, and it was like, oop, half hour to go. We're almost out of songs. <laughs> so we started <laughs> audibling and filling out the rest of the night. I don't think anybody could tell, but, uh, and that happens. I think, I think it was a combination of a short break and I think we were amped and playing a little bit faster than we are. And I was probably one or two songs conservative on the time anyway. So yep. we had to plug in three or four songs to kind of fill the time. And it was, you know, that's easy to do. We have so much material now. Right. It is such a luxury to be able to be that deep and go in. And we you know we can do long stretches of rock only stuff. We can do long stretches of funk only stuff. You know, we can, one night we did all of our Tower of Power stuff, kind of our little mini Tower of Power tribute. And that was, that was kind of a fun thing, but that's fun. It's, it's no longer a stress, uh, you know, when you get down and go, oh, crap, I didn't put enough songs in. Cause you know, the band knows, I'd say we probably have a hundred songs ready to go at any time. That that's about where we are with fling these days. Um, I haven't counted them in a while, but, but we were very close to a hundred the last time I counted in. And I know it's, you know, we've added many since then. We've probably let some fall off the list too. That certainly in a pinch we could, you know, resurrect if if we had to. But but they certainly wouldn't be go to songs. But yeah, when when we realized, hey, wait a minute, you know, we don't have to. We can walk into a gig and just play for three sets if we want, and not. Well, that's re- the thing. A hundred songs is you know about five hours or six hours. We did. I'm trying to think, what was it? We did an entire day, but it was two gigs. We played two sets in the morning for a fundraiser and then three sets plus an encore that night uh, and didn't repeat a song all day. Now, uh-huh. that that I, I, I crafted because I, it was a goal to say, wait a minute, you know, can we really do this and still be entertaining and as opposed to you know now we're going to spend 20 minutes gazing at our navels and playing really mid-tempo uninteresting stuff right you know um and it, well, don't you have your like a list always kill stuff that you want to put in every show um yes we do but but the thing is you don't actually need that stuff it, it becomes a crutch or at least it does for me that you know the guy that builds the set lists typically builds the set list russ has actually built them for the last two gigs which has been which has also been interesting i mean it it, it's got to be the right person building the list, but Russ is fully capable of it. And uh, it's actually kind of nice to see him, you know, come up with his way of crafting. It. It's like, oh, that's good to know, you know. 
Um, but, uh, but we didn't need, you know, th- there's more A-list stuff than you think you have uh, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And so it, it worked uh, that day. It did anyway, you know, the morning fundraiser gig was a, um, a little looser. So we, you know, we didn't really need to totally kill it either. So it, 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 it worked out. Some of that mid tempo stuff actually made sense, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. So, yeah, but that, that was, that was a, a fun day, a rewarding day, but also a very enlightening and kind of freeing thing. It was like, wait a minute, we really, and then we started not, we, yeah, we started not building set lists or really, you know, I, I actually like to walk into a gig with a set list because it's what we, it, it guarantees that we will have no dead air. Right. It, you know, and I think I've said this before, if things are flowing and, and the ideas are coming, great. We just play whatever we want to play. But once that stops, or if that doesn't start, you get to look at the piece of paper and say, that's what's next. There's no, yeah. you know, there's no fumbling around. And, and that's a good thing. I, I think. For us, we, I have three of my horn players are now on some kind of a pad device for their charts. And two of the guys are still on traditional paper. Yep. And um, that's the biggest thing in the rhythm section. Right. I, I, we are nestled in, you know, we're, we are in sync as of right now. There hasn't been anything. And I have purposely, I've gotten into the habit of sending out set lists a couple of days before a gig. Yeah. A, so the horn players can get their stuff in order. And, uh, and B, you know, sometimes I'm throwing in some older stuff. It's been butter. I got to say, I think this has been the most enjoyable summer I've had with the band. Maybe ever. I mean, it's, you, de- you deserve that. Well, I'll tell you what it is. This is an interesting thing. We're all busy. Um, and we just kind of come to the gigs, take care of business and go. There's a little, there's a little less hanging out and maybe the less hanging out has simplified some of the stress that's been in the past. I mean, well, the, it, it's it, not, it, that, it not removes- that the hanging out in and in, in itself is stress, but when you're on top of each other that much, seeing each other that often, you know, and then just the stresses of life and if, and if music isn't the respite from stresses of life, then everything gets put under a microscope that doesn't need to be there. But, but this year has been more business-like, but not to the point where like on stage, everybody's smiling at each other. Sure. Everybody's getting really into those subtle things that people do. My bass player is awesome. I mean, he's, he is like a, a no stress musician having a band. And if not, four or five times a gig, he will do something amazing, different. And I'll look back and he'll give me a little nod. I'll give him a little nod. And it's, it's a moment, you know, it's like a little, little connection. It's been that way with just about everybody in the band all summer. It's really been really nice. Nice. Well, you know, you have the benefit of having known each other and obviously played together and hung out together for, for, you know, more than a decade with most of these guys. But, you're not forced on top of each other. So you have the relationship as the foundation, but like you said, you're just showing up at the gig and you're doing the work. So you get all the fun without the interpersonal crap that can, that can come up. Yeah. And And that is inevitable when you have guys in a, in any kind of a pursuit, but certainly magnified in a creative pursuit. And you're talking to a guy who spent months on a bus with a band, not making a whole lot of money. So, um, Yes, that's absolutely true. It doesn't matter how much you like each other. You hate each other at least once a day, (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay. This year, I got to say it it has been, the gigs have been great. I mean, we show up, we play great, we take care of business. 
everybody, at least as far as I can tell, there might be some guys doing some stuff <laughs> that I have no clue about. I'm a tire blind to, but I mean, it seems like in general, it's been like, everybody has a confidence that they know the band's going to deliver the good. They know we're going to go over. Yeah. Even when we've had those stretches of gigs where it started off slow and people aren't quite dancing, I just have, felt, and again, 16 years. So, you know, you talk about bands having to, having to grow together like a family. I mean, there, there were times when we would play gigs and, and people wouldn't be into it from, or I wouldn't say not into it, but not kind of like giving the energy back for the first set or something like that. And I could feel the tension starting to rise. Like, Oh, you know, we're calling the wrong songs. Let's just do this. Everybody having their own opinion. Let's just do this. And we'll save the gig guys just seem to be flowing. And, uh, and they know by the end of the gig we'll win and, uh, and they just play. That's nice. Yeah, it really is nice. Yeah, it is nice. That's great. That's you deserve it. Even if somebody is harboring something that's going to fester and then boil over at some point, enjoy this part of it. And then when it boils <laughs> over, you know, whatever, you just deal with it. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> but this got me to thinking because um, we're doing, you know, like I rave about my band. I gush about my band and we're doing pretty well. And I get interesting feedback about my band from other musicians in our community in different ways. And it got me to thinking about music scenes. And, you know, how's there, there's this, at least in my scene, and I would guess it's everywhere. There's this delicate, fragile glue of mutually supportive, but hey, you know, you got a gig I was going for, you know, I'm, I'm keeping score of that type of thing. You know, I guess for lack of a better word, it's kind of a competitiveness amongst musicians. Do you experience that? Yeah, I, I do. And I, it's been different everywhere that I I've lived. Um, and, and it could be a regional thing or it could just be the, 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 the people in the circles that I find myself in, in these various places, but I basically played music and lived in, in three general areas, you know, Southern Connecticut, Austin, Texas, and then here the New Hampshire seacoast and, and sort of, you know, central Valley or Valley, whatever they call it, Monadnock Valley, I guess of New Hampshire. But, uh yeah, I, I've definitely experienced some of that. Um, it, it's the people that, you know, want you to do well, but just not better than them. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, I, let, let me start with this thought. So okay. I've talked about this band that's been in this area here about 45 years. I mean, they started together when they were in high school. These guys are, are absolute pros. They truly seem to be. They're genuinely supportive. I mean, I get nice notes from their leader. You know, I go to lunch every once in a while with their leader and they're like, look, we've done this for a long time. We're doing what we want. You know, we're playing plenty. It's all cool. And I would say that there's actually an, a, a tier of top flight musicians who are like, Hey, you know, we're all just trying to make some music and make a living or, you know, make enough money, whatever your goals are, Yeah, you know, good for you. Good for me. There's not. The, the competition seems to come from bands that are, are kind of on the up. You know what I mean? You know, they're, yep. they're like ascending with the, the aggregation of their audience and ascending, ascending in the, in the quality of gigs that they're getting. Now I'll say this, that, that the, that top tier of musicians has been incredibly generous with advice about booking and running a band and, and all sorts of things. I, I have to say there's nobody who has surprised me that was awesome. And then I found out later they're not awesome. Right. 
So um, as an aside, we should get some of those people and talk to them on the show here. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So my buddies from Sage, I mean, just, uh, you know, Frank is one of my idols. Yeah. You, you keep a band together 45 years. You have my ultimate respect. What, and, you know, almost, I mean, there've been a couple places where they've changed personnel, but more than half of that band is 45 years in. Sure. That's great. Now, let, still, me, let me ask still you playing this. at a high level. Let me ask you this. And, and, and of course, I'm putting you on the spot because now we know exactly who you're talking about. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it because we're friends and, you know, we're all friends here. Um, they're supportive with you. They are uh, um, generous and all of that. Has there ever been an opportunity where you've gotten a gig that they would have wanted and and, and really tested how supportive and generous they are, right? Has there, has there ever been that moment where, Hey man, nice job. That's awesome. I wanted that gig, but I'm glad you have it. And it's, and it's genuinely supportive of that or has, it just hasn't that happened. Um, well, cause that's where you really see people, you know, that's when you, you'd get to test that. Cause if they're always getting the gigs they want, then it makes it a little easier for them to be happy. I'm not, and I don't know these people, so I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm being more general, but, but obviously asking you in a very specific way. Yeah. You're, and the answer that I would have is this, it seems as though they get plenty of great gigs yep. in my bank. So it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like there's that one gig that could be a proof point sure. of phoniness, but I got to tell you, I just, I don't see it. Man. Okay. Well, these that's guys good. Are, other people I have seen. So for example, I have a really a uh, sensitive radar in social media. For example, I have a really sensitive radar when a discussion is going on, maybe between two guys in a band or so, or, or, you know, I post something about, Hey, I'm going to be playing with my band at this place today. And when someone tries to hijack those threads by saying, Oh yeah, my band does that all the time, you know, or, or does something that is a subtle plug um, for, you know, for something about themselves. I, I think I've that's ex- a social I've experienced media. your sensitivity on social media. Really? Yeah. Have I been that transparent? No, no, no. On our, in our, in our Mac world, every now and then, you know, the phone will ring and it'll be, we need to, you know, talk about this, whatever. This is, this is music specifically. No, I know. So th- I know. Yeah. This, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, it so, doesn't surprise me. It, and that's, that's not a bad thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get maybe that, maybe that BS detector, mm is, is, is across all aspects of my life. Right. But this, this is what I'm speaking on in particular. And it, it is, I think that that tact uh, is, is a way of saying um, you're taking too much limelight. I'm going to make sure we get some of ours. Even, even if it's your Facebook page or your Twitter account. Yeah. Right. 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 Which is weird to me, but I have a sensitivity that I think that's a pretty big faux pas. And I've only found that type of activity to happen from people in bands as, as, uh, as I'm describing. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely, I'm, I've seen that too. <clears throat> I mean, it, it happens. I'm, I'm trying to think of where I've, I've been pretty fortunate in most places that the jazz scene in Austin, Texas was very weird. In fact, it basically stopped me from playing jazz. I was doing some in, uh, in Southern Connecticut before we moved and that's where I grew up. And then we moved down to Austin and it was this really clicky kind of thing and really bizarre. Um, there, but there was even, even, I mean, it, you get both kinds. I mean, you get exactly what you're, what you're talking about. The people that are, that have done it long enough and have some experience and maybe not quite as much testosterone, 
and they're very supportive. And then you get the kind of young, hungry people that might be a little overzealous mm. at times. But um, but by and large, I, I've had the pleasure of, of working with people that and, and just kind of running in circles with people that aren't a problem. In fact, I remember one guy, there was a club we were looking at playing and uh, I just happened to see this other band post on their Facebook page that, that they had played at this club. So I just reached out to them and they didn't know me from Moses. I mean, they, I I doubt they had ever heard of fling at the time. Certainly they'd never heard of me. Uh, You know, I was nobody coming to them. And I just said, Hey, I see you played there last night. What was it like? Did they pay well? Are they, you know, did they treat you well? This, that, and the other thing. And I got, you know, like a three paragraph response from them. And, and it was all genuine. Like, yeah, you should play there. They're great. You know, this, that, and that's, that's awesome. I love it. So I don't know if we, we may have touched this in another episode, but I, one of my good friends who's one of the best musicians in this area, very, very experienced, very, very accomplished, has used the term eating at the grown-ups table. As in, you know, as, as certain groups try to ascend. And again, to me, ascend means you're, you're developing your audience and you're getting better gigs. That, that's to me what ascend means. Yeah, sure. And then as some bands do that, you know, they want to be um, connected to the infrastructure people who have done that. And the feistiness that they exhibit at that time is, is really kind of interesting. And I think the, the point of demarcation, it's a line of respect. Have you, have you done paid your dues playing tough gigs? Like my band did a, a year of Wednesday nights. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that was, that's, you know, that was our, that was our toughest year early on. You know, we work very hard to develop our audience. We kind of have, I say we have our, we have our act together in terms of our marketing and, and uh, we work hard at it. We try not to bum anybody out and we try not to be too much in people's face. And I would be sensitive to it if people said, but I, you know, you know, we, this is part of the business. You, you know, you develop an audience and then you can go and ask for more money because you're going to bring an audience. So, that's part of that. Plus, you know, it's just much more impactful, even in the gigs where you're not required to bring an audience. If you develop a following and they come see you, it makes every event into a happening, into a thing. And that's, that's a little bit of clout that you get to wield, at least in the cover band scene, I guess in sure. any kind of music oh, scene. Any, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, right. okay. And then, and then you okay. get the good gigs and you know, that's, that's the third ring there is like, you've proven everything else. You play well, you've done the business part of it. You've, you've paid your dues. And now you're getting the reward to that. That is, I think, the the um, uh, the proof point. You know, that is what gets you respect. At least gets my respect um, uh, amongst the other uh, amongst other musicians. And I think musicians react to that well. So, so if you want one before you've done the other parts of the of the thing, I think it creates a little bit of a little bit of tension, a little bit of competitive animosity, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, so my question is, it, you know, putting us in the, because we're the ones in front of the microphone at the moment. Um, of course, our listeners are the ones in front of the stop button. But uh, putting us in the, the role of, of, of thought leaders and mentors here, you know, what are the, what's the advice we can give to people in both situations, right? Because we've both been in both. We're, you know, been hungry and struggling and, you know, starting out, I'll, I'll say, um, Maybe not struggling, maybe not hungry. It depends on your perspective, I guess. But certainly starting out, and then we've been at the, sure. the point where, you know, the, the things are flowing pretty smoothly. So, I, I mean, I think the the advice to at the at 
to the second group where it's flowing smoothly is, you know, follow Wheaton's law, right? Be, be cool give. to everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, give, you've yeah. been given, you've been given advice. You've been given mentorship. You've been given breaks, dole those out, you know, contribute to the karma factory, right? Yep. Yep. Find a young band that you can have some play some gigs with you or, you know, do not even young band. I mean, just no, anybody, like, like, starting. You know, there's band. a band yeah. in this area. Exactly. Yeah. There's a band in this area. Yeah, I mean, you know, young in terms of the band, not young in terms of the ages of the it. players. Yeah. 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 Mentor willingly and uh, be, be part of the good karma that it, that should be about making music. Cause it's easy when you get to that point to say, man, you know what? I worked really hard. I paid my dues to get here. Now you got to do it for yourself. But, right. and, and, and there's, and there's some validity to that, except usually that's not true. You know, you didn't do all of it yourself. You did a lot of it, but you were given some breaks. Some people noticed and said, Hey, we should try them out. I think they'd be great, you know, and took a chance. And you may not have even known they were doing that for you. Right. So it's good to just assume that that was done for you. If that helps you justify doing it for somebody else, assume that it was done for you and do it for somebody else. It'll make you feel good at the very least. That's very, very true. I mean, we're, we're doing this, we're doing this act that is uh, supposed to lift the water of everything. Right. Why don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. Wheaton's law of sanitation. Yeah. If someone's being a jerk to you, that's now, when it gets really I will say, tough. well, that's when it gets, but I would say this and I, you know, I, I gotta, you know, take my own medicine here, but you have to resist the temptation to take that bait and to, you know, be your baser self because you're being challenged competitively. Yeah. Even if it's someone who hasn't earned the, the, they're there yep. to challenge. Yeah. So, but well, I do think honest conversations, you know, are, are good things. Most of these musical communities are small circles, right? Everybody knows everyone. And, and if you, you know, don't, you will. That's right. Yeah. Yep. The connections happen. So, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, offered gigs that I couldn't do to certain bands that I wanted to create a relationship with, or I've offered gigs to bands that I just think have something good to say, you know, some good entertainment value that would make someone happy. And I've offered gigs to those people. So, you know, that's always an opportunity you can't take every gig sometimes. I mean, no. for whatever reasons. And so that's a great opportunity to spread the love is just referrals. That's one thing I'd like to think what we're doing here, you know, it's another a, thing. It's, that's right. Yeah. It's an interesting line. It, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm venting a little bit here uh, because of some stuff I experienced this past weekend, but, but in general, I think I, in the midst of the venting is the message and the message is earn your own audience work your way up the ladder, play your butt off every single night. And, uh, and then you'll get that respect and, you know, then you'll, you'll be whatever circles you want to be in. Um, you know, that's, that's the entrance card. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would add to that, you know, be aware of, or try to be aware of what's happening around you, especially, I mean, this is true at, at wherever you are on this continuum we're talking about, but, but specifically if you're kind of at the beginning of it, you know, thank everybody for everything they do, yeah. even if you they didn't realize they were doing it for you. Right. You know, you say to the club owner, sure, the, the booking agent's the one that puts you in the club. Say to the club owner, hey, thanks for having us. They had nothing to do with the decision other than hiring the booking agent. Right. Doesn't matter. Thank, thank the, the servers. Owner, thank, thank the, the bartenders. bartenders. Bingo. Yep. yep. Thank them. Especially every time. 
thank the the sound personnel and the the you know the lighting personnel. Every just thank everybody. You know, be an just, attitude of yeah, gratitude. At, I like that. An attitude of gratitude. That you may use that. that we're going to use. That's the title of the show. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, this it's good, right? You know, just be nice and and I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, some of some of us are making money doing this. Few of us are making enough money that it's the only thing we do. And and I don't count myself in that group. I have, I have done that. You don't make a whole lot anyway, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I think even if you are doing this for a living, that's a sacrifice in and of itself. And, and if you're not doing it for a living, the money's less of a factor. We all are doing this because we love it. You know, we might hate it at times, but that's just because we love it. For sure. You know, it means so, so much to us. That's it. Yeah. Nobody chooses a career in music because yeah, it's a good business decision. <laughs> I mean, that, that, nobody sits down with their parents and says, you know, I've been thinking about this doctor, lawyer and musician. And I really, I see it. I see a path here. You know, I mean, nobody does that. Somebody, some people say that, but it comes from the point of, I need to do this. I can't not. And so just remember that about yourself. And thank everybody that you just had the opportunity to, sure. to, to feed that. Yeah. On the other side, if, if you are starting in the scene, you know, getting, just getting a band started, a lot of guys haven't, you know, like me, put the guitar down for a while and then picked it up a little bit later in life and are just getting going. You know, maybe some thoughts about, about what they can do. So, so I think networking is always good. And most musicians love to talk to other musicians. They love to talk about gear. They love to talk about gigs and all those types of things. I'll give you a, an example of what not to do. I, I had a guy who um, called me often and would say, Hey, you're playing a lot. Um, if you ever need an opening band, you know, give us a shot. Sure. That turned very rapidly to, Hey man, I've told you we're available. You're a jerk for not giving me. <laughs> like, you know, a, rarely do I have any control of opening slot options, right? Sure. If we've been invited to play, but it actually got hostile because it, it went from, from request to demand really, really quickly. So, you know, the, the thing is just, just a good life lesson. Networking is not about asking for favors right off the bat. It's about establishing relationships, getting a comfort zone, opening a conversation, you know, opening channels of communication, getting to know people, and then, even then, you know, a favor is a, is a line. Once you cross that line, the dynamic of a relationship has changed. It's a lot different if somebody extends, you know, an opportunity. But once you ask a favor, if, uh, if a lot of things aren't lined up, you've created a dynamic in that relationship that's pretty hard to, to go back from. It is. I, you know, I, but I've always said um, most people actually really like to do favors for other people. I mean, you need to create the right opportunity, but, but if you go up to somebody and say, Hey, can you help me out? Most people actually want to say yes to that, but that's where it stops. You can't demand past that, right? right. You know, Hey, can you help me out? Sure. I'd love an opportunity at an opening slot. All right. Well, you know what? I'll keep you in mind and, you know, feel free to remind me is that I tell people that all the time. Feel free to remind me, but that doesn't mean show up on my doorstep and, you know, with a baseball bat and threaten me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a difference there. So, yeah. But the best favor in a relationship is the one that you offer first. Agreed. Right. You know, that's, that's the way to build it up. Yeah. yeah I guess you're right. You know, you, you'll never know unless you ask is one way to think about things. Yeah. 
how and when you ask, I think should be considered. Some people just take the bull in the china shop yes. approach and just like, well, you never know unless you ask. But if your band stinks and you ask and you get told no, and and then it's like, it takes a pretty you know mature person to like, I don't think you're quite ready for that. Because you know, nobody wants to really do the work of having to, you know, school you that you're not ready for, you know, whatever it is you're asking for. I think the ask and the approach to the ask matters a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. I remember we, we asked this one band, uh, in a past life, uh, elsewhere in, in, uh, in the country here. Hey, you know, you guys are awesome. We would love to open for you. They were definitely the more seasoned, more established band. We were the new band and, you know, we'd started kind of building ourselves up. We weren't brand new, but we were certainly newer than they were. And finally they, uh, they gave us a shot, you know, and we opened up for them and we totally blew them off the stage. Huh. I mean, at, to the point where after the show, and we were always friendly and I'm still friendly with a lot of these, these people, but um, the drummer came up to the singer and I, uh, the drummer in their band came up to this, my singer and I afterwards. And he's like, yeah, we're never going to do that with you again. <laughs> and, and he was dead serious. I mean, he was sort of laughing about it, <laughs> but it was, it was an interesting thing. It was like, Hey, that's, um, that's not cool. But how do you know, throttle that back though? I mean, did they not know what they were, what they were bringing on? They didn't think, yeah, and, and this might be a, they didn't think a naive could point on mine. Yeah. They didn't think you could deliver, but no, but um, is it the opening band's responsibility to understand don't show up the headliner or you're going to have a problem? Um, you know, I, I, well, maybe, I mean, certainly for us in, in, if, if we valued the, their ability to get us future gigs, I guess, but my philosophy is, and always will be, leave it all on the stage. I mean, it wasn't like we went out there and said, who do you think's better? Right. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we didn't, you know, we were actually very respectful. I, 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 I remember mul we played like a 30 minute set. It was a short set. And I remember multiple times myself saying, thanks so much to this other band for, for having us and, and, you know, really, really like, you know, thanks so much. And we were very respectful, but we also just, we played our butts off because that's what you do when you get on stage. I, I would think, but there is that thing that, if you want to be asked back and keep working, there is a fragile understanding. And, it's, you know, hey, it, they had that would the be opportunity a really to, good. They had the opportunity to play after us. They could have built on that energy or not. That's well, you're call. saying bad hire by them. But at the end of the day, they're yeah. saying we're never going to have you back. So who loses, actually? Um, yeah, I, I mean, neither one of us lost, to be honest. I mean, we both went on to, to actually do great things and it was it was all good. But um, well, that's cool. Well, yeah. to sum it up. This comp, this I, I'd be surprised if this delicate, supportive, competitive nature doesn't exist anywhere. You know, everyone wants to succeed. Everyone wants to, you know, it's like, you know, a, a guy's up there playing guitar. There's 20 guitars in the audience saying I could do that better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's just how, the way musicians just are. Goes. Yeah, that's I always just how it I hate it when I know that there's a drummer in the crowd. I, I <laughs> simultaneously hate it and love it. Right. Because it's like, OK. Once I charge. Yeah. It's I got it. Now I got it. Okay. You know, but it's good because it, it puts me on the top of my game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So it's fun. yeah, I, I think it exists. I think understand it exists and make it work for you. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Be cool. You know, that's, that's the simplest thing to say. Be helpful. If you're in a position to be helpful, be respectful. If you want things from other people, um, add to the, 
value of the musical community that we live in. One of my best friends who's a musician, he, he and I disagree on this. He says, I have no issues with, with uh, competition. If they want a 10 piece horn band, they'll, they'll hire your band. If they want a five piece classic rock band, they'll hire my band. I actually don't think so untrue. That, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like there's X amount of gigs and uh, you're going to be up for gigs against your friend bands at, you know, at times that's the way it's going to go. And yep. you know, you, you can have a good attitude about not getting a gig that your friends do. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose you could say better my friend's band than someone I don't know's band. Right. Yeah. Yeah, probably. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not true that there that some club sits down and says, well, do we want a 10 piece horn band or do we want a five piece classic? Right. They say who is going to entertain our who's going to sell more beer for us? Right. Right. right? right I mean, right. It, you know, to think it's anything other than that is naive. Now, when it comes down to, yeah, we know that five piece bands work well in our place and we like classic rock. At that point, then it's okay. Who do we like better? You know, uh, do I know Paul's a really nice guy when he comes in? I'll throw him the gig instead of this guy, Tim, that I don't know from Moses. Right. You know, that kind of thing is where the relationship matters. But otherwise, man, no. (laughs) At least there. You and I agree on it. He and I do not. That's okay. That's okay. Hey, I wanted to throw a couple ideas out for future episodes with you. I think I really, really want to get one or two of the women I know who play in, in cover bands in sign kind up. of talk about what it's like to be, to be the chick in a band, yeah. to be the woman in a band. I, you know, I think that's a perspective we haven't touched on at all. I, I would love to, yeah, I've played, in, it, played in bands with several women and, and um, it, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, even when it doesn't, uh, even when it's not, you know, even <laughs> when it's not an issue, it's always like, it, it comes up in discussion it, invariably. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It, it, it creates its own dynamic. Correct. And uh, again, I want to go back and do more, more song discussions. I, those are the ones that I'm enjoying the most is, you know, what songs work, yeah. what songs you think are going to work, don't work. What songs can you make your own? What songs do cover bands slaughter into submission over and over again? Mustang Sally. <laughs> that was a good one. That was, that's the best one, right? Yeah. Turn the damn distortion off. <laughs> yeah. Turn it off. Yeah. Watch unless you're trying Shoals to do documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're trying to do Metallica's version of Mustang Sally. Sure. Should it exist? Should it, it probably does somewhere. Yeah. But if you're trying to invent the, the metal version of Mustang Sally, I you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I, I suppose. Yeah. Unless, unless somehow you get it right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're wrong I, unless you're not. I think that wraps it up for today. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Paul. Good talking to you, Dave. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Feedback Thanks, everyone. at giggabpodcast.com. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com. See ya.